0: Again, that's Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 45. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick, For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, we are continuing in our series, The Story of Jesus, where we are going through in its entirety uh, the entire Gospel of Mark. And uh, if you want to get caught up on a sermon that you missed, uh, feel free to look it up on our website, livinggraceministry.org. We also have podcasts if you search uh, Living Grace Ministry. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been fun. I've been enjoying going through the Gospel of Mark. And for those of us who haven't been with us, I just wanted to kind of catch us up, and so, you know, we'll do this uh, from time to time uh, throughout the series, just so we can be on the same page about where we've been, Uh, and uh, I'm going to kind of do it like they do like when you're watching a TV show, it's like, previously on the story of Jesus. (laughs) So just kind of sum up the past couple messages, Uh, I mentioned this last week, but the first message, the, the way that I wanted to sum that up was to say, Jesus did not come to make you comfortable. He came to overthrow kingdoms, right? He didn't come to just be the kind of savior who we can just slip into our lives comfortably to just make us more comfortable, to help fulfill our American dreams and to help support the kingdoms that we are building. But he has come to overthrow kingdoms. He has come to rule and to reign. And... Um, Last week uh, was the beginning of Jesus's public ministry, uh, where he called the first disciples. And his call to them was, come and follow me, and I will make you to be fishers of men, right? Uh, Fishers of people. And uh, uh, I was talking to Eric Um, uh, who's our praise leader, and uh, he was just asking me, he's like, Pastor Steve, why did they call it fishing? Shouldn't it be called peopling? Because if you're fishing, you're trying to catch fish. But if you're fishing for people, right? Like, yeah, peopling, manning. It just sounds kind of weird. But yeah, so Jesus came to go peopling, right? He came to, to gather people. And that's what his kingdom was about. We talked about the idea of the wide net. You know, it wasn't just the people that maybe the disciples would have wanted. It wasn't just the people who had their lives cleaned up. But the very first person uh, where we really see Jesus encounter in this very profound way is a person who's possessed by um, an unclean spirit, you know, yelling out in the synagogue, in the middle of church. He's raising a fuss, right? And Jesus, he drives out that unclean spirit. And uh, so, you know, we're going to continue with Jesus's public ministry. And um, I think one of the things that's very interesting to me is I think Jesus' public ministry, you're going to find out very soon, is very different than I think what gets presented to us. What Jesus actually focuses on, what Jesus actually does, is perhaps different than what we hear preached about most of the time. This is uh, one of the main reasons why I wanted to go through Mark in its entirety. Because I think what we tend to draw out of the Gospels, when we want to sum it up, when we want to emphasize the things that we want to emphasize, are not what it emphasizes uh, actually in the gospel. Because what we're going to see here is right after he leaves the synagogue, and he, you know, he had just driven out an unclean spirit, what happens next? He goes to uh, the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John, and Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. And immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. And so the first thing that Jesus does... Uh, the first um, you know, public miracle in the Gospel of Mark was Jesus driving out an unclean spirit. The second one was Jesus healing, right? Healing um, one of the disciples' mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, and making her well. And we're, we're going to see that right after this, uh, th- that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door so so jesus is here he's healing many people who are sick with various diseases and cast out many demons um and friends what we're going to see throughout the gospel of mark most of the gospel of mark most of jesus public ministry is this jesus healing people and driving out demons and unclean spirits right and i think that most of us we don't really know what to do with that we're not really sure what that means uh, so we just kind of skip over. We, we, we maybe like hear something like this, like, oh, okay, the reason why Jesus did that was to prove he was the son of God, right? And, and so now we know, great, Jesus is the son of God. We know that. But Mark is not going to let us off the hook. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep talking about these healings, these driving out of spirits, right? Why? Why is that so important? What is it that Jesus came to do? What is the traditional answer, friends? The traditional answer is Jesus came to die on a cross, right? Which, by the way, is definitely true. That's a very, very important part of his ministry. Don't get me wrong. But it is not the only part of his ministry. You know, um, so uh, Dallas Willard, uh, he, he sometimes would joke around that he said that Um, He he would call some Christians uh, vampire Christians. You know, like what's a vampire? A vampire is somebody who wants to suck blood, right? And so he said vampire Christians only want a little bit of Jesus' blood, right? That's all they want. And once they have that, they're fine. Um, But uh, when we have to deal with uh, the healings and with the driving out of the demons, there is something more comprehensive, something more holistic Going on, and it has to do with the kingdom of God, right? Because what we usually hear is Jesus came uh, to forgive your sins, right? Which is definitely true, again. (laughs) But most of it, the problem with the traditional uh, gospel presentations is most of it is one event that happens at some point, usually at the beginning of your Christian journey, right? Jesus came to forgive your sins once and for all, right? So you pray a prayer. You know, the sinner's prayer. Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sins. You know, please forgive me, right? And then what happens? We wait until death. Because what we're told oftentimes that Jesus' ministry is all about us getting to go to heaven after we die. That's what it's about, right? So, so far, we haven't seen that preached yet, have we, through Mark? We haven't seen that presented yet. We're actually not going to see it for a while. You're going to see glimpses. Yes, forgiveness is very important, friends. But what about all this other stuff? For me, I have come to uh, read stories like this where it talks about Jesus healing in maybe a little bit different way than I did when I was younger. Because when you see uh, Jesus healing people, you know, uh, you see something that so often we leave out. I just want to tell you a little bit kind of about my story as a Christian. Um, When I was 12 years old, I went to a church camp. And it was there that I accepted Jesus for the first time. You know, I I realized that I was a sinner. I cried. uh, It was very emotional, very intense. And when I accepted Jesus, I was filled with so much joy. So I was 12 years old, going into the sixth grade. And I remember going into sixth grade thinking like, man, everything is different now. My life is going to be awesome. And I went into sixth grade and I, like, like, I don't know what I thought. I thought like every uh, person before the, the sixth grade went to a church camp and everyone accepted Jesus. And I thought everyone would be on the same page, but surprisingly they weren't, Right. And what I found, um, for those of you who have gone through middle school, or some of you who are going through middle school right now, if you are going through middle school right now, God bless you. (laughs) I don't know. For some of you, just just out of curiosity, was middle school a good time for you? Did you like middle school? How many people, like, middle school was was where it was at? Like, man, if I could be 12 to 14 again, I would do that all day long. (laughs) If I could just groundhog day, just 12 through 14... I would just do that you know, forever. Was that the, the peak of your life? Was that the best time of your life? Or how many people, that was like maybe the worst time of your life? It was for me. Oh my gosh, I remember going to middle school and kids were so mean, you know. and um, I went to middle school and there were kids who were going through the whole adolescence thing and um, their bodies were growing up, but their minds and their emotions weren't quite there. You know, like, like, it's a hard thing, adolescence. It's a hard thing, puberty. You know, you wake up in the morning, and sometimes you're just like, feelings, emotions. You know, your parents are like, what's wrong? I don't know. I'm just, I, I don't know. Just something's going on. Like, girls, you know, it's just weird, right? All this stuff going on. And I remember, I went to middle school, and there were some kids, man. I, I, I don't know, like, what kind of water they were drinking, what kind of food, but they were like, six foot tall, you know, <laughs> they, They were huge. I was still, like, five foot nothing. And, you know, it was a hard time for me. It was a hard time. I went to a school where um, I was one of the few uh, Asians there. Um, And my school district actually was, um, there was a school district that was predominantly white that had just merged with a school district that was predominantly black. And it was just chaos. Every day, people were fighting in the hallways. Um... And I was this short little Asian kid just walking through the hallways, just trying to mind my own business. And it was really hard. And so this was the thing, was I always thought that the gospel was all about what I did at the summer camp. When I accepted Jesus, now I'm forgiven. Now I get to go to heaven. But what about middle school? What about the rest of my life? this is the thing, is in the real world, in life, is a lot of sickness and a lot of brokenness and a lot of messed up stuff. We don't always know what to do with the demon stuff, the demon possession, the unclean spirits. You know, there are some people that that say, well, you know, like back then, they didn't really have the vocabulary for mental illness, that perhaps there were some people that were, you know, what we would call mentally ill. You know, I don't know. I I, I have encountered some things in life that I just don't know how to explain. And I've had pastors tell me, hey, this is something demonic. You know, and and, and I'm not an expert in these areas by any means. But I do think that there is something about these people who are going through things that they cannot control. Right. Sometimes you hear people talk about their demons. You you ever hear like, I don't know, some like rock star or somebody like commit suicide. You know, drug overdose or something. And and oftentimes they'll say this about them. They said, he couldn't overcome his demons, right? And when you look at the the New Testament language, when it talks about demons, uh, one of the synonyms is unclean spirit. You guys remember what a spirit is? I mentioned this uh, from the beginning, but I think it's it's useful for us to remind ourselves. A spirit is something that leads. That's what your spirit is right? Um, my, my kids, they like to watch this, uh, uh, there's this DreamWorks uh, movie that came out a while ago, like 20 years ago. It's called Spirit. It's about a, a very willful horse, right? And nobody could ride this horse. It was spirit. It was wild, right? And, you know, th- that's the name of this wild horse, like, oh, much spirit, right? You know, that's what a spirit is. It's something that leads. And the unclean spirits, are ones that lead people in directions they don't want to go, right? So you get someone who uh, seems to be possessed and they convulse on the ground. They can't control it, right? I mean, you could talk to that person and be like, yo, Steve, cut it out. Stop convulsing. Stop foaming at the mouth. Just stop. What good is that going to do? You're not going to be able to help it. You're not going to be able to do it. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you love your family, no no matter how much your family cries and they're like, come on, you're embarrassing us, just stop it. You're not going to be able to do it. Why? Because that spirit is stronger than yours. You cannot overcome it. And there are many people who are overcome with spirits in this day and age, unclean spirits. You know, is it like demons, like, like with horns, and they're like green or purple, and ah, you know? Like, like they're little, like, like weird spiritual manifestations. Is it that? Or could there be a spirit of depression? Could there be a spirit of loneliness? Could there be a spirit of addiction that overcomes people? What about that? And that's something that, at least for me, in all the gospel presentations that I had, I never had a vocabulary for, what do you do with that? Yeah, Jesus died for my sins when I was 12 years old. And that's good. That's good for all of eternity, right? No expiration date. Yay, right? But here I am now, 12 years old, and I'm in middle school, and I'm being plagued by real things, with real brokenness, with real pain. And one of the things that I went through... um, that I, I wasn't diagnosed until I went to seminary, so I was about 23 years old. But just looking back on my life, um, I think that for most of my adult life, I have been depressed. I was diagnosed when I was 23, when I was in seminary. as being clinically depressed. You know, and it's one of these things where I wish I could just make it go away. And this is the thing. Sometimes in my Christian faith, that uh, what my Christian faith did is it didn't help me It actually made it worse. Why? Because I just felt guilty. I'm like, whoa, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be plagued with this. I I shouldn't, you know, be be, uh, dealing with um, my depression and my loneliness. And one of the things that I ended up doing uh, to kind of cover up uh, my depression, to deal with it, was I started drinking. And so when I was in seminary, I I was a problem drinker. I don't know that I was a full-blown alcoholic Um, but I drank a lot and the the ultimate irony is I would still go to church I was a pastor it was I just started as a youth pastor and and so it was kind of funny because same thing there are people at church who had real pain real problems you know there are people who um, like tried committing suicide there are people who had lost parents to cancer there are people who had eating disorders there are people who are being bullied at school. They, they joined gangs. They were doing all kinds of stuff. There's some people who had drug addictions. There's some people who didn't fit in. Whatever it was, and they would come to me. They'd like, be like, Pastor Steve, what do I do? Pastor Steve, can you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. But I didn't know what to do with any of that. And being this young pastor, I'm like, well, I got my own problems. You know, I'm lonely. You know, I don't know how to deal with all of this. And my faith had no vocabulary for that. So I started to drink. Friends, so much of Jesus' ministry is healing and driving out spirits. You know, and one of the things that I've since learned is that we have gotten twisted the word salvation so much. Right? What does salvation mean? For most of us, and this was me, by the way, up until just a few years ago, I always understood salvation as something that happened after you die. But when you look all throughout the Old Testament, like just think about, um, you know, the slaves in Egypt. They're crying out to Jesus, or they're crying out to God, save us, save us from Pharaoh, right? What do they mean by that? Do they mean, oh, God, like it doesn't matter that we're slaves now physically, but can you save us after we die? And no matter what happens, it's cool. But after we die, please let us go to heaven. Is that what they meant? No. They meant, can we actually be freed from these chains right now? Can we actually stop getting whipped? Stop getting abused? Can we be freed in this life? And friends, when it talks about salvation, when Jesus comes to bring about the kingdom of God, what is that going to look like? Remember, we mentioned this. Jesus has come to overthrow kingdoms. He has come to rule and reign. And what that means is that he desires in this world for this world to look like his kingdom. He wants this world to be the way he desires it to be. And so when Jesus comes, he goes and he sees all these people, who have addictions, who are depressed, who are lonely, who are plagued by unclean spirits, who are sick, and he looks around at this world and do you think he just goes and says, ah, this is fine. Just say a prayer and then you'll get to go to heaven. Or does he say, no, I have come to bring the kingdom of God here on earth now. My kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here within reach. And right after he preaches that message, he starts driving out the evil spirits. He's touching the lepers. He's healing these people, right? So right after Jesus is doing this, and by the way, it's kind of a crazy story because uh, we're told that, when did they bring, uh, start bringing these people? Uh, verse 32, verse 32, That evening at sundown, right? So it's like, you know, 6, 7 o'clock p.m. And they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, right? And how many people was that? Was it just like two or three? It it was like the whole city was gathered together at his door. It just goes to show you just how oppressed the people were, how sick they were, how many problems that they had, you know? And friends, I think in this day and age, I don't think it's that different. You know, I remember uh, reading someone uh, saying that um, this generation is the most over-medicated, the most depressed, the loneliest generation perhaps we've ever had. With some of the highest incidences of mental illness, right? We are no different. We are plagued by many things. So here are all these people. They're gathered at his door and it's nighttime already. Jesus is healing people throughout the night. The entire night. And so verse 35, uh, there's this weird kind of break. Because what you're going to see is we started with healing, right? And then Jesus healing, driving out demons. And then we're going to get this weird break in verse 35. And then more healing. Okay, but I think the break is important. So let's take a look at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And friends, this is the thing about Jesus that is so amazing. I know we tend to just read this as, oh, Jesus is God. He can do anything, right? Like Jesus, no problem for him. Healing an entire city, no problem. He can do it all night long. But remember, friends, Jesus is fully God, but he's also fully man. Did Jesus get tired? Absolutely. Did, did Jesus sweat? Did, did he uh, uh, you know, have to sleep? Did he need to eat food? Yes, he had to do all those things. Jesus had physical limits. And here is Jesus healing people like well into the night. And friends, this is the thing that, that uh, one of the things I've learned as a pastor is there's something that, that we talk about that is very real is caregiver burnout. When you are somebody who is caring for other people, healing other people, so often that takes a toll on you. Whether you're somebody who's healing someone physically or mentally or spiritually, right? There are people who take care of sick loved ones. And sometimes those people, they get sick. Why? Because it takes energy. And it's not an easy thing. And here Jesus is, healing well into the night. There's a whole city there after sundown. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus slips away, and he goes to a place where no one else is to be with God. And then here the disciples come barging in. They're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Jesus, where did you go? Jesus, there's, everyone is looking for you. It is madness there. Friends, do you, you ever feel like that? You, you, I get that feel of the disciples, that anxiety, right? That, that, that feeling in your heart where you're just like, oh my gosh, there's so many things to do. Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. It's overwhelming. I wonder if that is also something we need to be healed of. That anxiety, that stress. It's something that I realized a couple years ago that I suffer a lot from anxiety. I think it's part of the reasons why um, I've been depressed in my life. It's this sort of low-level anxiety that exists in my life. And it's this feeling of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I have to do? What shoe is going to drop? Is something going to go wrong today? Because I really don't want something to go wrong. Oh my gosh, if something goes wrong, I bet something else is going to go wrong. Because when it rains, it pours. And it's just this feeling, this unsettled feeling of I just don't know how to navigate in this world. I don't know how to handle all the stuff in my life. Friends, do you know that feeling? Do you know that feeling? Is that, again, maybe something that Jesus has come to save us from? Jesus has come to heal us of, right? That even Jesus, he needed to spend that time with God. And Jesus I mean, he is not swayed by the tyranny of the urgent, right? Of of this this urgent request, like, oh my gosh, people are looking for you. Jesus, cool as a cucumber. What does he say? He says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. You know, if I were Jesus in this situation, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to disappoint all these people. Like, oh, I got this new following. My church is growing. This is great. Now I got to go and make them all happy. But Jesus is like, no. I got to go. I know what my mission is. I know what I need to do. And I'm probably going to disappoint all these people. Doesn't bother him. Doesn't bother him. Why? I think it's because of his communion and his connection with the Father. I think that is key. That is key to Jesus' wholeness. And I think it is the reason why we are so broken. The disciples, into the night, they're looking for Jesus. They're frantic. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But Jesus is just being still with the Father, letting the Father be with him. The disciples, not whole. The disciples, not fully healed. Jesus, fully whole. Jesus, fully healed. And I think it is because of this union with God that Jesus is able to heal. And so... Here we see a a, a story that comes right after it. A leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. And so, uh, friends, uh, in the Bible, um, there might even be a footnote in your Bible, that leprosy uh, in the Old Testament covered a lot of different skin diseases. But leprosy, which is uh, known properly as Hansen's disease, uh, did exist in New Testament times. So we're not really sure if this was some other kind of skin disease or this was leprosy proper. But let me tell you something about leprosy that I learned. Leprosy is a very interesting disease because um, you know I, I used to like, like think that leprosy would be very painful. Like, oh man, they got these things on their skin and whatever. And actually, that's not leprosy. What leprosy is, is it's a, 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 a sickness that causes you to not be able to feel pain. And the reason why leprosy is so dangerous is because you can um, you know, get hurt and not even know that you're hurt, or you can get an infection and not know that you have an infection, and that that can cause some serious health issues. Now, for us, leprosy does not sound like an illness. It sounds like a superpower. Um, I, I've actually seen a couple, I, like I love like superhero um, TV shows and movies, there's actually a couple shows that I've seen that one of the superpowers of a person is to not feel pain. There's this one bad guy in this, this uh, show I used to watch called Arrow, um, and he does not feel pain, right? So he comes in, he's like, eh, what are you going to do, Arrow? What are you, they're like shooting him with arrows. He's like, ah, I feel no pain. I feel no pain, right? And we think that's a superpower. How many of us think, oh my gosh, I would love to have leprosy? <laughs> like, okay, leprosy, it sounds bad. Let's call it something else. The feel no pain thing. How many people would want that, right? How many of us would sign up for that and be like, yes, that is what I want. Jesus, that's what I want. Give me leprosy. (laughs) It's a very serious illness. It's a very serious illness. A lot of people die. A lot of people have all kinds of, of health problems because pain can be very useful. Pain can be very important it is an indication that something is wrong. The pain itself isn't good, but it's telling you there is something wrong with your body. There is something wrong and you need to pay attention to it. C.S. Lewis said this about pain. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I recently read a book where they were talking about spiritual leprosy. Like, you know, there's not many of us that are walking around with the actual physical leprosy. But how many of us are actually spiritual lepers? We can't feel anything. What do we do in this world when we are sick, when we are not right, when we are lonely, when we are depressed? We medicate, we numb. We do something to stop feeling the pain. This is the world's prescription for this. And by the way, it's killing us. I I read recently that um, now in America, the number one killer of people under the age of 50 is overdose on opiates, right? Which is painkillers and uh, heroin and things like that. But this opiate crisis started from painkillers. People in pain, physical pain, emotional pain, whatever it is, and people wanting to numb. And there are people who are dying because of this. By the tens of thousands every year, it's getting worse every year in this world. Right? And so you know, even the president calls a national state of emergency because of this, because of the opioid crisis. Right? And friends, how do we treat people who are sick in this way? Do we treat them with compassion? Do we treat them, you know, uh, uh, in a way where they're able to get well? Part of the reason for the opioid crisis, what a lot of people are pointing to, is the shame and stigma of this crisis, is that it's happening in secret. Nobody's willing to admit this. My wife was telling me that it's, it's a big problem in care management. Because if, 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 some, if you have a loved one that dies of, like, cancer or something, Right? People at your church, people in your community, they're bringing you casseroles and things like that. They're checking up on you. They're calling you, hey, are you okay? Is everything okay? But if you have a family member that dies of an opioid overdose, you're not getting a casserole. Right? People aren't checking in on you. They don't know what to say. Oftentimes, there's this stigma. There's this, this feeling that we have, like, you know what? They deserve it. They did that to themselves. They're weak. There's something wrong with them. And friends, I carry that to myself. There's something wrong with me. This is something I need to figure out on my own. I need to figure out how to heal myself. I need to figure out how to not be depressed anymore. And what you see with this leper is he comes imploring Jesus, begging Jesus. He is on his knees and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And so for lepers, uh, you know, all kinds of problems would happen because when you can't feel pain, right, like every cut, every uh, scratch, every bruise, you know, oftentimes they don't get attended to and it gets infected and it gets worse. Their skin starts looking really gross. They start getting kind of smelly uh, because of all the infections and things like that. And oftentimes people, lepers were not allowed in cities. They, they had to form their own camps outside of this city. They were social outcasts. And here is this man who's a social outcast. And, and by the way, back then they thought that the, the reason why you had this illness is because of some sin that you committed or someone in your family. And so he comes to Jesus and he has a bold request. He says, if you will, you can make me clean. It's very interesting. The leper comes and he's on his knees and he doesn't say, Jesus, heal me. He says, can you heal me? Are you willing to heal me? <laughs> That's really his question. Are you willing to? Would you want to heal some, someone like me? Because the understanding of everyone else is, <laughs> you deserve it. Your fault. What's wrong with you? You did something to really make God mad, so you deserve this. So people didn't show a lot of compassion to lepers. They're like, ah, there's some sin that, 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 you know, we should really keep these people out. They're unclean. This isn't good. So the leper to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, are you willing to heal me? What is your ministry about? What is this kingdom like? That is really what is at stake here. And Jesus looks at him. And this passage was very healing for me. I remember reading this passage when I was in the midst of my uh, drinking problem. I was in the midst of depression. And I got to tell you, as I was being healed of this, there were times where it wasn't always pretty. There were times when I I found myself drinking, and I would be crying while I was doing it. I was like, I don't want to do this. Why am I doing this? This is so stupid. You know, I feel so dumb. I feel so weak. Why am I doing this to myself? But I couldn't stop. You know, and during this time, there were times where I would pray before God. And my prayers were not very, like, cleaned up, like, holy prayers. It wasn't, oh, dear God, thank you so much. It was just wailing. It was crying. It was screaming, God, save me. God, be with me. Lord, I need you. And this is what I heard when I read this passage I heard Jesus saying to me, Steve, I am willing. I'm willing to work with you, to cleanse you. I'm willing to forgive you. I'm willing to help you clean up your life. I'm willing. Friends, what about for you? Well, what, what is it that you are struggling with? And friends, by the way, you know, a lot of us, we have this problem because we have uh, Numbed for so long, we don't even know what the pain is anymore, you know? And, and I, I know there are many people here, I, I mean, you know, m- maybe this isn't exactly your issue, but I've talked to many young people, and, and I've been through this myself. you ever find, like, you can't sleep at night? You're just restless? You, you don't know what's wrong, but there's just something wrong. We're so not in tune with our pain, with our stresses, with our worries. Well, we just sit there at night and we're like, I can't go to bed. Can't turn off my brain. I'm just, I feel plagued with something. I don't even know what it is anymore. And the world has been telling us, hey, go and find some fun. Go turn on the TV. Go to the internet. Go watch some porn. Go do something that's going to be a little thrill. Go do all these things and I'm sure you'll feel better. And all we're doing is we're numbing the pain where we can't get the real healing. Dallas Willard used to say this, the most important uh, discipleship question you can ask a person or you can ask yourself is what is bothering you? What is bothering you? What is the matter with you? What is your pain? And friends, I wonder, when Jesus is coming out and saying, I am willing to heal you, and the way that Jesus himself was a whole person was that communion with God. Friends, I wonder if maybe that is part of the solution for us. Because by the way, friends, it's not just that Jesus was willing to heal us, but he went that extra mile to heal us. So this story it's very interesting. So he says, "I will be clean." And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. If you look at Leviticus, uh, there are very clear instructions about leprosy. That you had to present yourself to the priest and the priest had to very closely examine you. Make sure that there was no signs of any skin illness. Because uh, obviously you could infect someone else, right? So the, the, the priest would check you over a period of seven days. And if over that seven days you, you, you were completely, you know, free of any symptoms, you could come back to the community. So what is Jesus wanting for this man? What is he uh, uh, telling this man to do? He's trying to get him back into community. He's trying to get him back on the inside. This man was wandering in the desolate, lonely places. He's wandering because nobody wanted to be with him. He had no community. He he couldn't be with his loved ones. He couldn't be with his friends. He couldn't be with his family. Now Jesus is saying, go present yourself so that you can be on the inside again. So what happens from this? He tells him not to tell anybody. But the guy disobeys. And so he just starts blabbering, telling everyone, freely talking about what Jesus did. So that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. What is going on here, friends? What's going on is Jesus and the leper have switched places. you see this? Jesus was on the inside. Jesus could freely go around in any town that he wanted. The leper could not. But now Jesus heals him. The the man goes into the city, and now Jesus is on the outside. Jesus becomes an outsider so that we could be an insider. This is a, a little preview of the cross. Jesus gets broken so that we can be healed. Jesus takes the penalty of sin so that we don't have to take it. Jesus takes all this upon himself to prove and to demonstrate and to show how serious he is. He wants to heal you. He desires to heal you. That is what he came to do. Friends, so often we we come to church and we think, man, I gotta clean up my life. I have to have everything together. I got to put on the big smile, the big church smiles. You know, I I have to act like I have everything put together. I don't have any pain. I don't have any weakness. My family life is great. Everything at work is going great. Everything at school is going great. I remember there was one time where I was really struggling. Uh, It was when I was in Korea. And uh, I I was part of this team of uh, youth group teachers. and we would meet every week. And every week, we would share our lives. And every week, people would say things like, yeah, week's going great. Yeah, yeah it's been busy, but, but everything's good. Thank, thanks for asking. And everyone would say that. And for me, everything wasn't going great. But the thing was that everyone else like, w- wouldn't share anything personal. So I wouldn't share anything personal, either. And there was one meeting where th- this dude who happened to be like, like he was like a bodybuilder, like big guy, like 6'2", like, like you know, just much bigger than me. <laughs> and he, he just was like, all right, guys, I, I, I can't do this anymore. And we're like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, every week I come in here and I say I'm doing fine. I'm really lonely. I'm feeling really isolated. I've been struggling with work. I don't know what I'm going to do in the future. This is just, it's so overwhelming. And I never say anything to you guys because I look at all of you and all of you are doing so well. And then I just kind of raised my hand. I was like, hey man, I'm not doing well either. I'm really struggling too. And someone else raises their hand. They're like, yeah, yeah, me too. And someone else raises their hand and they're like, yeah, me too. Friends, Jesus didn't call the, the most cleaned up disciples. He called the anxious ones. He didn't call the ones who had everything together. He called the ones that were dropouts, that didn't get picked by the other rabbis, right? Who didn't know all the scripture. He called people that he knew were going to abandon him. People who he knew were going to fail. People who he knew were going to be petty. Who were going to have all these issues that needed to be healed. And he called to them to be a part of his community. And he modeled for them what healing really looked like. He showed them what it meant to commune with God. And friends, um, for me, God has been uh, continually healing me throughout my life. You know, I think that sometimes we hear messages like this and it, it, it might give you hope, but it might actually make you feel sort of bad because you're like, but Pastor Steve, I don't know how to get that. I don't know how to get there. And that's exactly why you need a Savior. That's why you need a Savior. That's what the leper was all about. He, wasn't, he didn't go, go to Jesus and was like, Jesus, I heard your teachings, and after carefully considering it, I know exactly how to clean up my own life. Thank you very much, Jesus. I'll be on my way now. He was begging on his knees, Jesus, are you willing Are you willing to clean me? Are you willing to help me to be uh, a part of society again? I don't know how to do this, Jesus. I can't rid myself of this. I need you. And friends, I hope that in this community, we can be that kind of healing community where we can be open and honest about our own issues but first and foremost, before God. You know, th- this is one of the things that Jesus wants to teach us, is that communion with God. It's one of the things that I have really incorporated into my spiritual practice. Is exactly what Jesus did. Get up in the morning, spend time with God. Alone, in silence. And friends, this is really hard for a lot of us. You know why? Because when you keep moving when you're not still, when you surround yourself with noise, when you surround yourself with music and laughter and friends and activities and video games and work and school and all this stuff, you don't have to think about what's really hurting you and wounding you and causing all that damage on the inside. You don't got to think about all that. You numb yourself. Oh, too busy. Can't think about it. But if you are just still before God, man, it was hard for me at first. It actually got worse because I felt really anxious. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a really anxious person. I don't like feeling really anxious. And it's one of these things that I had to learn to be before God. We don't really see what Jesus uh, and God talked about. We don't really see what God said to him. But all I know is this. The only thing we've ever seen God say to Jesus in this entire gospel to this point is one thing what is that you are my son whom i love with you i am well pleased i wonder friends if jesus in his communion with god before he went out there in the world and all these people are like jesus heal me jesus heal me and all these competing voices jesus 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 and all these people are tugging at him all these people are anxious all these people are sick and pressing up on him that the first thing he hears in the morning is, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I love you. Not because you do everything well. Not because you perform. Not because of your behavior. I love you because you are my son. I love you because of this relationship. And friends, I wonder for us, Is that something that we need to hear for our healing? Every morning when you are feeling anxious, every morning when you are feeling um, whatever it is you're feeling, oh my gosh, like I don't know what this means about myself. I see everyone else succeeding. I feel like such a fraud. Everyone else seems to be with somebody and I don't have anybody. I'm so lonely. My gosh, I just don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't feel significant. Can we be there in the presence of God? every day and learn to hear that voice i'm with you let me just share my grace with you as a matter of fact i want to do that right now friends um praise team you guys can start to to come up here if you want i want to take a few moments friends um to just be still before god and i want to encourage you friends to um not come with an agenda is this the thing friends For a lot of us, the things that are really bothering us, we like to manage. We like to be in control. We like to be the king over that thing, right? Like, I know how to manage this. I know how to make this better. It makes us feel better to think we're in control. And I think that a lot of our prayers are like that. We are in the driver's seat of our prayers. Like we go to pray and we're like, Father God, thank you so much for this day. Lord, can you help me with my school? Can you help me with my work? Lord, you're awesome or whatever, whatever it is. I'm not saying that's a bad prayer. But what if Jesus were to just start bringing stuff out of your life? You just are still before God and you say, God, come and examine me. Lord, I just want to be myself before you. And maybe there's that question that is overhanging. What is bothering me? What is, that, what is it within me that God really needs to heal? Why am I so angry? What, what, what does it bother me so much when, when, when so, somebody treats me the way they do at work or school or in my family? What is that thing that is just hanging over my life? And what does it mean to allow Jesus to be the Lord of that, to let him in, to come like the, the, the beggar on our knees and saying, Jesus, are you willing are you willing to heal this? I can't even feel anything anymore. I don't even know what it is. Can you show me what it is that is bothering me? And by the way, friends, the leper was very happy. But by the way, what does it mean for the leper to be healed of leprosy? It's going to start feeling all that pain as part of the healing. Remember what I said, friends. Jesus did not come to make you comfortable. He came to overthrow kingdoms. That is a good thing. If Jesus is fully in charge of your life, if Jesus is able to order your emotions, your life, your hearts, your soul, exactly the way he wants it to be, you better believe there's going to be peace, there's going to be love, there's going to be joy overflowing. But friends, we might have to face some pain. We might have to face some uncomfortable things about ourselves. We might have to over, uh, face those bad habits that we just, it's just very dissonant for us to think. Like, I like to think of myself as a good person. I don't like to think about myself as somebody who has an addiction. I don't like to think about myself as somebody who has an anger issue. I don't like to think about myself as somebody who can be so torn up about a breakup Or somebody says something about me and it really wrecks me. I don't like to think that about myself. But as we come before God and we're just still, and and we can just let God examine us, we can just be honest, and to know that God loves you with all the things in your life, He's willing to sacrifice for you, He did it already. He's willing to die for you and all your problems, all your sins. Yes, He's going to save you for all time, but He wants to save you right now too. Friends, can we just take a moment and let God examine you in silence and stillness? What is it that's bothering you? What is it that God desires to be a part of, to be the Lord over? Can we just Sit still before God. Let him examine us. Can we let him hit? Can we let him be the Lord of glory? Let's take a moment to do that, friends. Let's pray. Whatever it is that um, is bothering us, whatever it is that is keeping us from being whole, God, we want to bring all that we are before you, God. And we want to experience your wholeness and your healing. It's going to take time, God. Lord, and just as your son would come before you every day to commune with you, Lord, I pray that we can start to do the same It's not about legalistically doing anything to prove anything. It is just about us learning to be with you, learning to let you be our healer, letting you be our Lord, God, letting you be the Lord of all our anxieties, of all our stresses, of all our pains, of all the things that are bothering us, God. And Lord, if there is any of us, God, that's feeling the pain of those things, God, may they hear your voice saying, you are my daughter, You are my son. I love you. I am pleased with you. You don't need to clean up your life. Just come to me. Just come as you are. Let me come and heal you. Let me save you. I am mighty to save. I am willing to save. I am willing to heal you and touch you and be with you. Now and always. In Jesus' name, amen.